I always find it interesting to pray for Darby when he's going to preach because of that one time he said, I'm not going to pray for me, I'm going to pray for you because I've got the revelation already. Yes. So we're going to pray for you now. Lord, thank you that, <laughs> that I can pray for Darby and for us, Lord. <laughs> I pray, Father, that as we sit and listen to your word under his voice, that your anointing will flow through him, but our hearts will be open to hear what you've got to say to us tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Gideon, thank you. I always <laughs> appreciate some prayer. Um, you can never have enough. Thank you so much. It's always such a privilege uh, to um, share the word with you. And I always, after the service, when you know people tell me, you know, how did it go? Or I get home and my wife asks me, how did it go? I say, shucks, I don't know about the rest of the people, but I had a fantastic time. So um, feedback is always welcome, you know, if you maybe didn't enjoy it as much as I did, you know, the only way I will know is if you tell me, you know, um, it's like that goal that you liked, you know, she'll only know if you tell her. Anyway, um, but I'm not here to, to talk to you about uh, that, although that is a very exciting and interesting topic. Um, I'm here to talk to you about grace so good, it melts the brain. Um, so we're going to look a little bit at grace, and what I want to start with is, I just want to start with, with words. I don't know if you know words, I'm using words um, to communicate to you, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with words, and whether you enjoy using words, and how words play a role in our lives, but each and every one of us have a relationship towards certain words, certain concepts, certain understandings. And that if I had to mention somebody's name or I had to mention a word, you'd have to, how can I say, some light bulbs would go on in your head. So we all have different relationships with words. And on my next slide, that's basically what I said already. But I want to bring up a few words. And just as I throw the word onto the screen, or as um, Hannes at the back throws the word onto the screen, um, I just want you to see what happens in your head and in your heart or just in your brain. Next slide. So, you, you see the word and immediately information comes into your head. Immediately you might have an opinion about it. Immediately you might have an insight about it. You know, you might have strong feelings about it. You might have indifferent feelings about it. You might be close to it. You might be far away from it. But state capture is a reality for all of us. Some of you might go now, please do not talk about state capture. I do not want to talk about politics now in this service. You can rest assured I'm not. Um, but what I'm trying to illustrate is that there's a word, and we all in this room have a certain understanding of it. I wonder how your understanding of it has been informed, directly by the people that has been involved in it, um, by a friend, by the media, by Google, by Wikipedia. In some or another way, your idea of this word has been influenced by various sources. Let's look at another word. The next word, cross. You know, I had a really hard time putting this word in my PowerPoint without putting the at the front. It was, it was like, we're in church now, it must be the cross, you know. I can't just put cross in there. But maybe as you see the word cross, you, because of this context, you think about 
the cross and what Jesus has done for us. You might think about cross fitness. You might think about a cross road, you know. You might think about the fact that you are cross with me, that I'm doing all these things with uh, words. I don't know, but again, there's a word, and all of us have various relationships to it, various ideas around it. Now look at the next one. It's maybe a little bit more loaded. Because now when we look at the word father, I know each and every one of you has a history with this word. You might be thinking about your earthly father. You might be thinking about your heavenly father. And this word can emote a whole series of stories, impressions, emotions, and experiences. Your fundamental idea of God can be influenced, your relationship can fundamentally be influenced by your idea about what it means to have a God as a father. And it's so strange for me how God seemingly will let us live in ignorance until we see the light, and even if that ignorance is for a very long time. My entire high school career... I thought was God was an old man sitting on the edge of heaven just looking at how to poop every party he can, you know. He wasn't interested in every, anybody having fun. He was just about rules and regulations. He was not about fun. He didn't have my best interest and heart. And when I did something wrong, he would just punish me for it. I don't know. Anybody ever thought about God that way? at some point in their lives. And here I lived my entire high school career thinking that God was something that He was not. And each and every one of us have these sort of epiphanies, in a sense. You know, these moments where something that has been right in front of us our entire lives, all of a sudden becomes clear. And it's so important that when it comes to the crucial concepts of Christianity, that we see it as clearly as we possibly could. And we need to make sure that the teaching that we have received and the beliefs that we have in our heart about each and every one of these concepts are informed not only by our experience, but by the Word. So as I put up the next word, I want to what your experience with this word has been like. I wonder what your understanding of this word is. I wonder how you would explain it to somebody in a conversation. Let's say your friend at work tomorrow asked you, Hey, Davi, what's this thing in Christianity called grace? I wonder where you would begin. I wonder what story in Scripture you would use. I wonder what experience you would refer to. Because we need to understand grace in a deep, intimate, and meaningful way. Because if we don't, on an experiential and a conceptual level, who is going to minister grace to those who need it? We are God's agents of grace. Now, a guy... In my next slide, that had a 
reasonably interesting experience with grace and a very tight relationship with grace was a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Some of you might have identified the monk-looking character there, um, nailing his 95 theses to the Wittenberg um, Church in Germany. Anybody know about Martin Luther? Anybody ever heard about Martin Luther? Well done, well done. He is the reason we are all here. If it wasn't for Martin Luther, we would all still be Catholic. Hallelujah. Um, because he was the reformer that, that started the Protestant movement that split from the Catholic Church about 400 years or so ago. And this movement for Martin Luther started when he interpreted the Scriptures in a way that he had never interpreted it before. He had a moment. He had an epiphany. He had an insight. He had an experience. And we're all reasonably familiar with this. And the passages that, that Martin Luther certainly, you know, had emphasized in his ministry and in his calling. And that's the fact that we are saved by faith through grace. Not by works so that we can boast, but that the only person we can boast in is Christ. And so for most of us, I would like to assume that we have this understanding of grace. That if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you believe that you are saved, if you believe that Jesus is your king, some way you accepted his gracious gift, his, un, his incredible sacrifice on the cross. Somewhere in your life, there was an altar call. The pastor prayed. He said, can you just stick up your hand? And you were so comfortable with just sticking up your hand. So you stuck up your hand. You prayed the prayer. And then he went and asked you to come to the front. And you were like, ah, you tricked me. You tricked me. You just asked for my hand. Now you want me to come to the front, you know. And so you're like, okay, well, I stuck up my hand. I prayed the prayer. So there you go. You go to the front. And maybe that was your moment, you know. And you can come to the Lord in Various different ways, but, but that's your understanding of grace. <laughs> but I wonder sometimes if we allow the grace to continue to carry us throughout our lives as believers. Because it's amazing for me how believers come to Jesus and they receive the grace so freely. And then as they continue walking with the Lord, it is like the grace runs out. For both themselves and others. And it's strange. This is the very thing that Martin Luther challenged in his ministry and in his teachings. Because the church had lost its way. And the church went from a message of grace to a message of works. And Luther said, this is not the heart of God. This is not the gospel. This is not the message you need to preach. The truth, because people are suffering under the yoke of the law, under the yoke of having to earn God's forgiveness. And so, is God's grace for you there before and after you become saved? Or do, does it when you get saved, God goes, okay now, whoa, whoa, whoa. My grace was there for you up until this point, you filthy sinner. But now you are a believer, and now your life needs to be absolutely sorted out. Okay? So now, if you sin again from now, what I want you to do is beat yourself up, 
condemn yourself and tell yourself how useless you are because that is the way I'm going to turn you into a better person. So strange. Nobody's ever done that or seen anybody do that? Strange. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd. Anyway, because what is amazing is that we see this in the book of Galatians as well, is that Christians who were saved by grace turn into Pharisees once they receive the grace. So in my next slide, I have a picture of a few Pharisees. And I'm sure there's no Pharisees in the room because Pharisees don't think they are Pharisees. And Pharisees never think that they are wrong. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so I always wake up in the morning and go, yeah, I'm probably a bit of a Pharisee, so I better watch out. But, but this is the, the, the thing that Paul challenges in the book of Galatians, and we're not going to look at it. But the point I want to make is that our relationship with grace can change if we don't have a biblical understanding of it. Our relationship with, with grace can change to our detriment if we don't fully understand it in the context of Scripture. The grace of God was not only available for your salvation. The grace of God was available for your entire life. For every aspect of your life, the grace of God is available. The grace of God must be accessed. The grace of God must be enjoyed. I wonder what your relationship is with grace as it relates to every day of your life. And that's what I'd like to look at tonight. And I want to start with a, a scripture in John 1. And I mean, this is just one of those scriptures that I can just read again and again because it's just so, so good. Um, and so let's just read this verse together. John 1, verse 14 to 17. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of His fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace, already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful verse. And so every day we seek to live our lives in truth. And the law of Moses was there for every day of our lives and for every aspect of our lives. So when Jesus brings the grace and he brings the truth, the grace and the truth comes for every day of our lives and every aspect of our lives. God wants to minister his grace to us. I want to read this verse in um, uh, the message as well because it just states it so beautifully for me as well. And I just want to read a portion of it um, in the message too. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out. True from the start to the finish. John pointed to him and called, This is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me 
He has always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. And so I wonder what your favorite scriptures are as it relates to grace. I wonder how regularly you read them. I wonder how regularly you think about grace in your life. And I want to look at grace and a few aspects of our lives. And the first one I look at, want to look at is grace and calling. Sorry, I just couldn't find the cheesier picture. This was definitely the cheesiest. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Maybe it's just my pet peeve, you know, how some of these sort of um, stock photos, you know, just come out so beautifully. But anyway, um, so grace and calling. So each and every one of us wants to become something. Each and every one of us, you know, are either at school or at university preparing for our calling. Every one of us wants a job. But I wonder how grace and your calling relates to each other. I wonder how grace looks in your calling. For me, grace, as it relates to calling, is the sweet spot that God wants to find me. I often speak to people who are at a, a job or in work, and, and it feels like torture. It really feels like they would much rather, you know, be sleeping on a bed of spikes, you know, before they go to work. And I wonder how grace re relates to that. Because I think grace is available there for you to make it through every day. To be gracious with yourself and gracious with the people at work. But I wonder if God's grace is also sufficient enough for you to make a change if God is calling you to do it. I wonder if God is good enough. I wonder if God is big enough. I wonder if God is generous enough that you can trust Him with your calling. Because sometimes I think we're not accessing God's grace in our calling because we might be in the wrong place. And for me, I've seen that in my lives. I've been, I've been in different roles in my life. But when I've been in the role I feel God has called me to, it almost feels like there is more grace available to me to perform the task that God has called me to do. I've been in places where the role did not fit me at all. I, I hate admin. I'm not good with admin. You give me paper and give me files and I become a person I am not, you know. And, and so it is a very shapely time for me. You know, it's like marriage. You have no idea what you're getting into until you're in it, and then you realize it's wonderful, but it's also killing me and shaping me into Christ. Don't worry for all those single people. You'll find out later. Um, but, but it's this wonderful, amazing thing. But some roles in our lives can be like that, you know, and we can put our head down and we can allow Christ to be shaped in us. And when that's the season of our lives we're in, then we need to be in it. But there also comes a time we need to be courageous in order to move back to the place of grace. The thing that God has called us, thing, the thing that God has given us a passion for, the thing that God has given us a world to live, the thing that God has given us a talent for. Because if you remain in that space where you feel that you are not flowing in the grace of God, then you will continue to be frustrated. I'm not talking about something that's easy, but I'm saying if God is with us, 
then who can be against us? And Paul, in Romans 1.5, he speaks a little bit to this. He says, through him we received grace and apostleship. And Paul makes a link there between his calling and the grace he received for that calling. So for each and every one of us, when God speaks about the fivefold ministry, when God speaks about the gifts of the Spirit, they are all given by grace. So when God has called you to be an engineer, when God has called you to be a lawyer, when God has called you to be a doctor, God has called each and every one of us by grace to make a contribution to this world. And it's important that we find that sweet spot, that we find that channel in order to contribute. I wonder how your relationships looks between grace and your family. I wonder how your relationships look within your family. Are there relationships that are filled with grace? Are you gracious to your mom and dad? Are you gracious to your siblings? Are you gracious to your wife? Are you gracious to your children? Do you treat them the way Christ treated you? And the way Christ treats you every day of your life, giving you something you do not deserve. Something that He by all rights can claim and can judge at His own. I wonder, do you hang on to things within your family? I wonder if you have resentment. I wonder if you have bitterness. I wonder if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Because if your family relationships are not looking so great, and I'm not putting all the blame on you because it always takes two to tango, but I'm saying, are you being gracious in them? And this is a daily Thing. This is the thing that Paul calls us to. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ has been gracious to me. Therefore, I try to be gracious to my children. I try to be gracious to my wife. I try to, be, I try to give them what they do not deserve. Because when you get stuck there, you lose your touch upon grace. And you lose your relationship with the king. Because you start looking at other people and you say, but they, but, but they, but they, but they, but they. I wonder if Jesus had to look at your life and go, but you, but you, but you, but you, but you. I would be in serious trouble. And so when you point at your family members, I wonder in your mind is there, but you did, but you did, but you. Jesus doesn't talk to you like that. So why do do you talk to your family like that? Why do you think about them? Be gracious. It's a daily, daily thing. What about grace in our community? What about grace? Another cheesy one. I told you. I know how to find them. Anyway, but what about grace in your community? I often think about, you know, sometimes, uh, and, and forgive me, I'll talk a little bit about politics, but I think about our po- political dialogue. And so often it's about what belongs to who and who owes who and what's right and how, how we must fix everything. And I wonder how would that dialogue 
change if we inserted grace. That's why we need people to become politicians and to flow in that grace because grace needs to be ministered there. I wonder, are you gracious with your neighbors? I wonder, are you gracious with your friends? I wonder, do you minister God's grace there? Do you communicate God's grace? How does grace look in our community on a daily basis? And again, I ask you, whose responsibility is it to show the world what grace looks like? I don't know if you've ever studied the other religions, but there's one thing that puts Christianity heads and shoulders above every other religion on this, the face of this planet, and it's grace. There's no other religion that has grace like Christianity has it. And how will the world know what, what grace looked like and what grace is? If you and I don't minister it to them every day. And just the last relationship is how about grace and your challenges? I wonder, do you know that God sustains the entire universe? I wonder if you know that if God chose to, in this instant, to no longer desire the universe to exist, that it would literally just disappear into the nothingness that it came from. For those of you that have been here and for those of you that know me personally, I have a son that's very sick. And it's not a disease that's going anywhere. And I've asked many, many questions in my struggle with this. Why aren't you healing, Lord? You, you say you are the healer. Why is it not happening, God? What, what must I do with this, God? Ups and downs, lows and highs. And that journey is a reality for me as I speak to you in this moment. And I don't know for how much longer it will still be a reality for me. But there's one thing that I have experienced throughout this very difficult journey in my life. And it's it's, it's like a sustaining presence that's there all the time with me, empowering me, strengthening me, keeping my heart right and my spirit healthy. I wonder if you've experienced that sustaining grace of God within your challenges and within your life. I wonder if you know that there is so much available for you, you do not even know what to do with it. That tomorrow when you go to work, wherever you find yourself, God's grace is there to sustain you. God's grace is there to minister His love through you. God's grace is there to give you courage. God's grace is there to give you hope. God's grace is there to give you faith. God's grace is there to be with you no matter what you've done or where you find yourself. I wonder if you've experienced it. Have you tasted it? Or is grace just a word to you? Is grace something that is real? In Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Yes, this is, man, I hope you read your Bibles. This is some good stuff in there. Eh? 
but be careful, it will change you. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I wonder if you've ever seen a picture of a yoke. You know how a yoke looks. You know what a yoke is used for? To keep cattle going in the same direction. To keep them next to each other. And I hope you realize that when you read that scripture, Jesus is not going, here's the yoke, brother. No, no, no. Jesus is going, that's where you go, and this is where I go. I'm in this thing with you. The yoke is not something Jesus gives to you. The yoke is something Jesus carries with you. But a yoke is the way that you see the world. A yoke is your approach to life. Because what was Jesus talking about here? He was saying the yoke that the Pharisees has given to you, the yoke that the law has given to you is weighing you down and it's crushing your vitality and your life. The way that you are anxious about God, the way that you think God is always out to get you, the way that you think God is not on your side and that the world is against you, your view of the world is wrong. And so when we check what yoke is upon us, we need to ask ourselves, do I look at the world through the eyes of Christ and His grace? Or do I look at the world like it's out to get me and God is not on my side either? Again, I want to read this passage in the message and I just want to wrap up with this because I feel it just illustrates my point so beautifully. And just listen to these questions. I don't know about you, but there's been, in this time of my life, maybe more so than at other times in my life, I don't know where you find yourselves, but when I read these questions, I have to give a very affirmative yes to each and every one of them. Are you tired? <laughs> yes, that's me. So if you're feeling fresh and spry, okay, good. Um, are you worn out? Yes. Yes, the rat race of life, the busyness of the world, the expectations that we have to deal with. We never feel like we're enough. We switch on the TV, there's a car I don't have, a TV that I don't have, a holiday that I'm not going on. I go to work, there's a promotion I'm not getting, I'm not good enough, my salary is not good enough, I live in the wrong country, and, 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 and. I wonder if you feel worn out. Because of the way you feel the world. Burnt out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and 
lightly. I don't know about you. There's been times in my life where it has felt like that, and I, and I think I am in a particular season now. But still, even though the challenges and sufferings in my life, there is something in me that doesn't allow me to be crushed. There is something in me. There is a presence with me that helps me to sustain the burden that is upon me. And that person is Christ, and he is the lover of my soul, and he is my best friend. I wonder if you can call him like that, with confidence, clarity, and security. I wonder if you can say he is my one and only, the desire of my heart. Because if you want to know about grace, you have to get to know Jesus. And if you get to know Jesus, you will get to know grace. And so that's my invitation to you. My invitation to you is get to know grace a little bit better. Challenge your own understanding of it in your life. And challenge yourself to experience more grace than you ever have before. Be more gracious with yourself. Be more gracious with others. And see what happens when you give people around you what they don't deserve. You guys know I'm on about paradoxes. Grace is one of the most confusing things in the world. And that's why I think so often we don't know what to do with it. We go, no, 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 no. In the world that we live in, Nothing comes without small print. Nothing comes without a disclaimer. Nothing comes without an IOU. And so we go, this thing, not for me. Try it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, Lord. And I know there's hearts in this room that need your grace. I wonder if that's you. I wonder if you have the confidence and the courage and faith like a mustard seed just to ask God to come and reveal His incredible grace to you. Just ask. It is the simplest and easiest thing you can do. Father, and I pray that in these coming weeks, and in these coming months, Lord, that each and, per, each and every person in this room that desires to have a deeper and more intimate relationship with you and with your gracious goodness, Lord, I pray that by your grace you will meet them, Lord. Not because any of us deserves it, Lord, but because you are good, Lord, beyond our imaginations. We pray for that in Jesus' name and we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.